Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is lit welcome to rock is lit the podcast that takes listeners on the quest to find the very best rock novels and explore the propulsive energy and raw power of these stories about music the people who make it and the characters who love it rock is lit is a proud member of the pantheon podcast network i'm your host christy alexander hallberg author of my own rock novel searching for jimmy page from livingston press find me on facebook at christy alexander hallberg and Twitter and Instagram at Christy Hallberg. Visit my website at ChristyAlexanderHallberg.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, follow, and spread the word. My guests for this episode are my rock and roll brothers from two other mothers, the wolf himself, Mac B., and Action Jackson from the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. The Ugly American Werewolf in London is a weekly podcast about classic rock, hard rock, progressive rock, and heavy metal. Hosted by The Wolf, an American expat living in London, he and Action talk each week about bands, albums, and concerts they love, along with hot topics on rock music. Recorded just off Abbey Road in the heart of London, download and subscribe to The Wolf, another proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. So we're deviating a bit from the regular Rock is Lit format. In this episode, Mac, Jackson, and I talk about our top five rock movie soundtracks. Because Rock is Lit is a podcast about the convergence of fiction and music, our picks exclude documentaries and biopics and the like. We're sticking to movies based on fictional plots, and we're talking about actual soundtracks, a compilation of songs used in the films, as opposed to movie scores. So, let's start with this. What do you think makes a good movie soundtrack? Now, that's an interesting question. To me, it can go either way. You can either have music that is timely that they put in there that you would know, or you can have stuff that really sounds great that comes from the movie. Like you've never heard it before, but it goes with the movie. So it go, it goes either way. But a lot of the stuff that I know that, that we like is that you put in popular music into the soundtrack. And then it kind of, it, you can, you can do it. You can either watch the movie and listen to the soundtrack, or you can listen to the soundtrack on its own. It's, it's got to have heavy hitting songs in it. I mean, you know, songs that connect either because they're on the charts or because they're just good by good artists. But it should also trigger a moment and an emotion and a connection in the scene in the movie in which it's being played. 
Because you could put anything and just roll it at the end credits and say, yeah, you know, House of the Rising Sun was, you know, end credits. Or, you know, Stairway to Heaven was in the end credits. No, it's, you've got to have a moment in the movie where it helps tell the story. And I think that's that's why I've chosen all the, all the movies that I've chosen. And look, honestly, all of ours are pretty similar. And if we had a top ten, I bet seven or eight would overlap for all of us. Right. Yeah. We're in a certain generation. There is some overlap in our list. So let's take a short break before we get into our soundtrack picks. Back in a minute with more Rock is Lit. We're back with Mac B and Action Jackson of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. We're talking about our top five rock soundtracks. And we each have our own separate list. There's some overlap in them, but we each have our own separate list. Uh, However, we did decide on our top pick, and I don't even think we had to debate it. It was pretty quick that we came up with that. And I can't wait to talk about that movie and the music that goes with it. But first, Mac, what are your four picks? All right, so I don't know if this would be five to two, or two to five, or whatever. Um, and and you know, on any given day, on any given hour, you know, these could mix up a little bit, right? Uh, but it's it's always fun to to revisit these. Most of these are things from when I grew up. I think the original one, and a classic, a big one, is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, you know, Cameron Crowe uh, knew what he was doing. Um, I, I can't forget, remember the name of the producer, but the guy who produced the cars, uh, before Mutt Lang got him for Heartbeat City, you know, he did the mm. soundtrack, you know, that's why Liberty Stereo is in there. Famous Phoebe Kate scene for all those young guys out there. Um, and then, uh, let's see what else. Oh, heavy metal, the animated classic from Canada, um, with John Candy and Eugene Levy and a bunch of other CCTV alums, um, or SCTV rather uh, alums. A little weird, not for everybody, but look at the soundtrack. Stevie Nicks, Black Sabbath, you know, members of the Eagles. I mean, it was contemporary, right? It came out at the time, and it to this day, it, of the 16 tracks, nine are done by members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, you could oh, put wow. together one that was all, yeah, you could put one together now that had all members in there. This is before there was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, these were contemporary artists. Um, you know, making the wrecks. Plus, you know, people like Nazareth and Devo were the non, you know, you know, Blue Oyster mm-hmm. Coulter on there, you know, so Sammy Hagar. So, uh, and it's great. The plot is maybe not, you know, there's maybe not this great continuous line through it, but it's a great master of a soundtrack. Um, I've never seen that, actually. Well, like I said, it's not for everyone. It's kind of something they would show at a midnight theater, like on if Friday night is Rocky gotcha. Horror, then Saturday night might be this, you know. Kind of thing because it's animated, but it's adult animation. Yeah, I remember my brother had the movie poster in his room that, and I would—he's ten years older than I am—and I would go in there and look at it when I was a kid and think, "What the hell is that about?" Yes, uh, an offbeat one, and and, and one that might get uh, you know uh, some point with the Lost Boys. Um, it just, I don't know. It probably just hit me at a certain age, but you know, it has like mm-hmm. Echo and the Bunnymen doing the doors. It has Roger Daltrey doing don't let the sun go down on me. And I don't know. It, obviously it wasn't just the rock hits on there and there weren't even really any big hits, uh, which is kind of why I liked it too. There's also a score to it, of course, but I don't know. That one always just held a, a place in my 
And then Valley Girl. Oh my yeah. God. 80s classic. I mean, if you were watching MTV in 1982, 1983, just watch this movie with a young Nick Gage with all his hair and, and sensibilities about him. Uh, you know, with Deborah Foreman and a few other folks that you might recognize. But, but like, like our number one pick, like the one we're reviewing, this actually has two different soundtrack releases. There was a second uh, Valley Girl LP out. And if you can get your hands on the CD, that's a little bit of okay. a treasure. You got to hold so on. So that had that. Electric Avenue, Eddie Grant on it. Oh, it had. Um, Love My Way and Psychedelic yeah. Furs. I love that you know, song. I mean, and, uh, I Melt With You. Uh, was on there by oh, Modern man, English. I love that know. song. Yeah. Million Miles Away by the Plim Souls. I mean, it's not hard rock like heavy metal, like the heavy metal soundtrack is. But I mean, if you like that new wave, early 80s, early MTV stuff, that's a great, you know, that's a great soundtrack. Well, and really too, but the whole movie is is how California is just the beacon of social light, you yeah. know, for teenagers. Yeah. In the now, world, did the right? song Valley Girl, that's not in the movie. That came, did that come after? Do you remember the, the one with um, Moon Unit Zappa? From uh, Moon Unit? Okay. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, I don't, it's not in the it's Okay, in the Jackson, yet. what you got? Well, I've got, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the ones that weren't on that list because, you know, heavy metal is on there for sure. And same with Fast Times. The ones that I really liked, the, the Blues Brothers, to me, is always, they always went together. But that was one that, was it, was it really a movie that they made around that? Or was it Dan Aykroyd's love letter to all the rhythm and blues from the 60s? Because they, <laughs> you know, they had James Brown was in it for a second, Aretha Franklin. Um, John Lee Hooker. So it, it really is, is something. Every... Well, look who was in their yeah, band, yeah, man. The entire. Steve, the Colonel <laughs> Cropper was in there, you know, Matt Guitar Murphy. Murphy was in there. It, it is actually crazy that you bring that up. When you go back and look, I mean, that was the Saturday Night Live band at the time. Mm-hmm. But then you look like, yeah, like Donald Duck Dunn was on a ton of stuff. Just they were big time session musicians. And so, and this is just a great movie. It's just a silly movie to watch. And you can listen to the soundtrack. And then the other one I really like, you could say the same thing about this, a silly movie is Animal House. Because it's, you know, it, it's it's of a time, it was supposed to be 1962, but it's timeless as far as, you know, if you've ever been involved with college and fraternity lifestyle, you know, either in it or around it. And then the great songs from the 60s that, that just mm-hmm. hammer home the, um, just the feeling of the movie. I had that on cassette, that soundtrack. Nice. When I was... 11, 12, 13, nice. something like that. Yeah, I had that soundtrack on cassette and I'd play it over and over. And and just the scene with Shout is so great in the movie. Um, okay, so that's, you also picked The Lost Boys Correct. and Fast Times. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, me. Mine are not ranked. I mean, you guys weren't ranking yours either, yeah. though, so that's okay. I, I didn't rank mine. They're just movies that resonated with me for whatever reason. So the first one I'll talk about is Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. It's all happening. And that's from 2000. I just, I, Great, I love that movie. I was so excited when it came out because of all the little wink and nods to Led Zeppelin in it. And it, you know, like the guy in the hotel, it may have been the riot house in LA wearing the, the t-shirt with, have you seen the bridge? And it was just, it was fun to sit in the theater and watch <laughs> that and go, Oh, I got that. I got that. And, you know, of course, all that stuff's largely based on Cameron Crowe's experiences. Um, it's interesting. The soundtrack. I was going to say, it's also Cameron Crowe. You know, that's going to be a good 
soundtrack. Anytime Cameron Crowe, I mean, it, it wasn't singles. I mean, singles didn't really resonate oh, with me I totally musically, but the music in it was was great, right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, he does what he's doing. Yeah. I love that. Well, it's interesting that the soundtrack for Almost Famous won a Grammy in 2001 for Best Compilation Soundtrack Album for a Motion Picture. It's just a, a great soundtrack. And it was, what, the first time Zeppelin actually let not only not only gave permission for their songs to be in, in movies, which they didn't do that often, but they actually let him put some of them on the soundtrack. And they hadn't done that before. And that, that scene with Tiny Dancer on the bus is just fabulous. That, that so is I a, also picked the... That's a fabulous scene, but I also love the one yeah. where he gets the call from Rolling Stone and his mom picks up the phone. And yeah. Like, and <laughs> yeah, I know my lady always gives me a hard time. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, tell me about it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. What's your background, William? Are you a journalism major? Yeah. What college? Honey, I need you to do that thing that fixes the garbage disposal. Well, I certainly know how my lady gets when you don't snap to it. Crazy. 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 Yeah, it's a great movie. Crazy. And I also picked the Blues Brothers. It's just that movie is just fun, and the soundtrack is fun, and it, it's just great to see great. all of these old guys coming back. It was the last time that Cab Calloway made a film appearance, so just all of the and just seeing James Brown as the the preacher at the beginning <laughs> is that's worth the movie. So I won't I won't say oh the rawhide oh, scene that's it's just hysterical. It's a little chicken wire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, and I also picked <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. How could you not? I think it's just the quintessential high school movie. And it, it just kind of started that whole thing. Um, so many of the songs. Um, it did start it though, Christy. Now, you know, I'm sorry, but just to jump in, it did start it. But my honorable mention, which I didn't talk about, was was a genre of 80s high school yeah. cinema. And that's yes. John Hughes, right? Honorable mention, The Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, you know, um, uh, even stuff like Vacation, yeah. you know, Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday mm-hmm. Road. I mean, it, it was it was never an entire soundtrack. You know, it was like they used them in the right moments and it was very of that era. Mm-hmm. Again, that 80s kind of techno. John Hughes was amazing about that. And so while I couldn't pick any one of those, if you let me put together a John Hughes soundtrack box set, oh, wow. I promise that's something you're going to want in your stocking this Absolutely. Christmas. Now, but see, that brings up an interesting point because like, let's take the breakfast club and take simple minds. Don't you forget about me? That was not, yeah. I mean, th- that came out with the movie. Like when you saw the mm. movie, you didn't necessarily, you hadn't really heard that song before, but that came, became a giant hit and is now mm-hmm. synonymous, not only with the movie, but with the, with the pretty much the eighties itself. So yeah. I, I think it can go either way with with um, the mu- the music enhancing the movie experience. Mm-hmm. So my last pick is from from the sixties. I love Easy Rider. It came out a few months before I was born, and I, I think it's such a landmark counterculture film, and the soundtrack is too. And I, I just I love how. The songs that make up the soundtrack were carefully selected, 
kind of form a, mu a musical commentary on the film. And you've got things like the pusher from Steppenwolf at the beginning when they're doing the drug deal, and then Born to be Wild. before the movie or was that did it come out when the movie came out i don't remember that i don't know but um it, it's perfect in the movie it wasn't it wasn't yeah i think you're right it was perfect in the movie i think it existed pre-movie okay. but i i think it that scene that scene in the movie solidified it yeah it's 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 a big reason why we all know it and it's still a big song to this day and, and you had peter fonda and dennis hopper and terry southern uh, writing the script and Peter Fonda producing it and Dennis Hopper directing it. And then you've got Jack Nicholson in it. And I, I think he got, um, I think he got an Academy Award nomination for best supporting actor for playing the, the alcoholic lawyer in that, but it's just a fantastic movie. Probably so. And, and the fun fact that won't surprise you given who these people were, um, real drugs were used when, when you have the drug scenes, they were really using the drugs. <laughs> Yeah, I saw so, I saw an interview with uh with Hopper and they asked him about that. Like how did you how did you you know, with the scene where you're getting Jack Nicholson to smoke pot, he's like, There's only so much acting you can do and then you kinda have to <laughs> go for it. So yes, yeah. I believe that there were, yes, shenanigans going on on the set. I suspect you are right. And and I'm thinking of that scene in the cemetery when they're on acid. <laughs> I'm sure that was just crazy to film. <laughs> So those are my picks, and before we get into our final pick, let's take another short break, and we'll be right back with our top rock soundtrack pick. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think, think, think about what trying to do to me, yeah. Think, 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 that you might let yourself be free. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And now for the moment you've all been waiting for, our number one rock soundtrack pick. All right, all right, all right. Party <laughs> at the Moon Tower is dazed and confused. Yeah. Woo! So here's a, a, a brief introduction. And... Hey, what? Leather, <laughs> man. Here's just a brief introduction, and then we'll, we'll get into talking about the film and the music. Written and directed by Richard Linkletter, who also directed Slacker in 1991, Dazed and Confused was released in 1993. Did you guys see it when it came out? Because I, I, I was years later. I went home for Thanksgiving and saw it at the theater, at that theater that showed heavy metal, at the theater that shows Monty Python and the Holy Grail at okay. midnight, at the theater that shows Rocky Horror. Um, I went with a bunch of friends from like high school because I was back, you know, for a few days or whatever. And so we went to that. Uh, and I just, I remember I, I loved every minute of it. It was like, you know, 1993. So we were 20, you know, um, and you're about to be 21. And yes, seeing this magical, mystical time in the seventies with all this music that you and I love, this like seventies hard rock and Aerosmith and Sabbath and Alice Cooper and Leonard Skinner and stuff that we like, plus some other stuff. It's like, oh yeah, we know that stuff. I don't know. It just, it romanticized the time that probably didn't seem that great to the kids going through it at the time. Um, but it, it was, it, it, I think it very much romanticized the way of life back then. The kind of an innocence you got away with a lot of stuff. I don't know. It was fun. Oh yeah. If you can, if you can go to school with a marijuana leaf on your t-shirt, <laughs> it's a different time. You can't do that now. Yeah, because I so I, I'm remembering that back now. Yeah, you came back and said, "Oh, you've got to see this movie. You got to see this movie." And at that point in time, I didn't have a TV or anything like that, so I like I had never heard of the movie before. I didn't know what it was about. All right, what's this movie about? It's about the last day of school in 1976. Uh, okay, and <laughs> but it has a killer soundtrack. You're yeah. gonna love the soundtrack. All right, let's go. Let's do this thing. So a, a bit more by way of introduction. The film features a large ensemble cast of actors who would later become stars, including Jason London, Ben Affleck, who is a total dick in this movie, <laughs> Mila Jovovich, Cole Hauser, Parker Posey, Adam Goldberg, Roy Cochran, Nikki Cat, Joey Lauren Adams, and the man himself, Matthew McConaughey. The plot. What plot? <laughs> it, it follows a different group of, of Texas teenagers, as you were saying, Jackson, during the last day of school in 1976. Rolling Stone Magazine's Peter Travers called it a shit-based American graffiti, which I love. <laughs> nice. A couple of other things before we really jump in. For me, so much of what makes this movie great is the soundtrack, like you were saying. The music is absolutely essential in this film. Every song captures the tone and the spirit of what's going on in whatever scene the song appears in. And so... In that sense, the music kind of acts like a, a Greek chorus, sort of augmenting the plot. And even in scenes where the music's almost subliminal, where you can just you can just barely hear it, 
it, it's still amazing the attention to detail the director gave this movie. And I, I read that he actually made a mixtape cassette for every character that included the kind of music he thought the character would listen cool. to and gave it to the actors to help him prepare. And that was interesting. Yeah. So eventually the soundtrack was certified double platinum. Well, I went back and watched this in preparation for this, for this show. And I mean, I've seen it enough times where I thought, yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I could do it without another viewing or two, but I went ahead and did it anyway. There's only one or two scenes in the whole movie that don't have music behind it. It yeah. just it, it's constantly, and you're right. Every song is perfect for the scene. It it mm-hmm. adds to the scene. I really wonder what this would be without the music. I mean, I think it would be it, the movie is pretty good. It's it doesn't like you said. It doesn't really have a plot. It's more just you know these characters and what they're doing mm-hmm. for a day into a night into the next morning. But yeah, the, the, it's the soundtrack that really drives it and and helps you establish the mood and what's going on in each scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 absolutely perfect. You couldn't you couldn't make the movie without the music, you know. And it has enough Mm-mm. huge hits that everybody knows, but also has some hits like maybe you didn't recognize those. I mean, I didn't know every single song of that movie when I saw it at twenty years old. You know, I, I hadn't heard every single one before. Or some are, you know, sweet emotion, how they start the movie that way. They just kind of let it build slowly as they kind of roll some of the credits. And then when they do the opening pop, then you see the big orange Camaro in the parking lot. They're driving around smoking. I'm like, yeah. all right, now here we go. You know, then they took like 15 minutes to set up the characters. And then they went back into using music, you know, to describe every event, you know. And, and yeah, like you said, some of it is just perfect. Like when they're busting his is yes, you know, they're saying no more than your nice guy, you know, it, it just perfect, perfect spots. But we, we can get into that. Yeah, I mean, we could just almost go down the soundtrack because it, I've got, I went back and watched the movie. I hadn't seen it in a year or two and went back and watched it the other day and was sort of noting the songs as they appeared in the movie and, and appreciating so much how relevant they are to the scene. Like the school's out is the next song I think mm-hmm. the Alice Cooper song and that's when school's out and there's poor there's poor kids there's poor junior high kids who are now going through this rite of passage they're going to be freshmen in high school and and the deal is that this the guy the incoming seniors in high school are going to chase down the boys and paddle them and and the the girls the incoming seniors are going to chase down the the girls who are incoming freshmen and do all kinds of awful things to them involving ketchup and mustard and eggs and hot pavement and so on and air raid and (laughs) all of that. So, you know, so we've got schools out, which is the perfect, I wonder how many movies that song has been in, how many high school movies that song has appeared in. Good question. Fair question. I don't know. You know, and and especially after this one too. Mm Mm-hmm. No, and it was on the first soundtrack too, right? Because they did eventually do two soundtracks. Because okay. wow, the first one did so well, let's put out the ones you know that, that didn't make the first one. And yeah, they put it on there because yeah. it, it wasn't just that these were the key songs. They knew these songs would sell a double platinum record. Right. So I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I just the question came to mind. The Hurricane by Bob Dylan, that was not on the original soundtrack, was it? I mean, it was in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. 
No, you're right. It wasn't. Yeah. It was not on the soundtrack. And it what prompted me to buy Desire by Bob Dylan, because that was really the only record that you could get it on. It's like, I have to have that song because of its role in this movie. Because them walking, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the three of them, the three generations, you know, McConaughey, Jason London, and Wiley Wiggins, you know, the, the old man graduate, the rising senior, the rising freshman, walking in there and they do like a Miami Vice slow motion thing on it for a while, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's so yeah. cool. I'm like, wow. And that was an amazing song. And then, you know, you learn about it. Well, yeah, it's a protest song to get Reuben Carter out of jail, which of course I did nothing about when I was 20 years mm-hmm. old in 1993. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's another, you know, powerful use of a powerful song. You think, well, that's not a big deal. It's just them walking into the arcade or whatever. It's like, no, man, that was a big scene in the movie for me. So the next song that we hear in the movie, if I'm not mistaken, is Jim Dandy. And it's like the the chase ensues. Ben Affleck and his crew are going after these poor these poor boys to to beat the crap out of them, basically. So that's that's what's going and you know, I mean, who did that song? Black, Black, Black Oak, Oak, Arkansas. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Oak, Arkansas did that song. And it's got a different, it's got more of an old school feel to it. But yeah, but it's got and that it's got that frantic songs. pace to it, and and the best the best part yeah. about that is when they go up to the teacher, who it turns out is Mr. Payne. Uh, Mr. Payne, sir, you know, every second that you could let us out early would really increase our chances of survival. It's like our sergeant told us before one trip into the jungle. Men, fifty of you are leaving on a mission. Twenty-five of you ain't coming back. And I have no, I mean, I guess this was a real thing. They used to just, back in the 70s, just yeah. beat the crap out of these kids. Because I was thinking, man, every single South. one of these dudes would be arrested and sent to jail for assault. But it was just, yeah. it was just what happened. I think it was a different time in the 70s. <laughs> yeah. You, you could get Definitely. paddled at yeah, school no in doubt. the 70s. I am testament to that. But you could also have your fortune change, right? Uh, remember, I mean, remember when Jody said... You know, there's there's the popular girls everybody knows are going to get on the trucks, but then she went out with a girl who didn't know anybody, right? But she was pretty, and she had something about her and said, hey, do you want to come yeah. be in the gang? You know, and she jumped on the truck, and you could see her old friends, like, stuck, you know, back there, like, leaving them in the eighth grade while she's yeah. going to high school to go have the time of her life, and that could happen, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The same thing happens to Mitch, too. The guy's um, pink befriends him, and I always figured... Mitch probably reminded Pink a little bit of himself because he was that kind of budding jock baseball player. And there, there was Pink, this jock, who's trying to decide whether or not he's going to sign this paper saying, I won't drink, I won't do drugs before a game or at all or whatever it was. And so there's there's that kind of symmetry there too. Definitely. But he also wanted to uh, vine theory his way from Simone to Jody. And so that's, you know, if he befriends Mitch, it'll be easier to get in with Jody mm-hmm. and that's going to happen because mm-hmm. he's the cool back. Yeah, yeah, I always thought there was yeah something about that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this kid. Yeah, he reminds me of myself and his sister is pretty fine. So, yeah, I can use <laughs> yeah. A to get to B. Yeah. 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 So I, I love the use of why can't we be friends? <laughs> why can't we be friends? And Parker Posey and these other senior girls are torturing these these poor incoming freshman girls. And as I mentioned with the ketchup and the mustard and, and the eggs and all that. And 
it's just a, a great use of a song in that scene. And, and it begs it begs the question: What's worse, the guys beating the mm. the boys or the girls? Just completely. I mean, nobody got physically assaulted, but they got degraded in front of everyone. Oh yeah. Like, oh. Oh. You can like having to go to okay. these guys I, I, and get on their knees yeah. and say, "Will you marry me? I'll do anything right. for you. Anything you want." Okay, I'm I'm just gonna tell you guys this right now. I think Jackson kind of already knows this. I have never wanted a woman on celluloid more in my life, except for maybe <laughs> Princess Leia. Except for maybe Princess Leia, but at four, I wouldn't know what to do with Princess Leia. When I was 20 years old and I saw Parker Posey being this Queen B H B I C, just bossing these girls around. With a big, beautiful <laughs> smile. Her face was perfect, you know, like flawless with a little bit of red hair. Gary and I both have this redheaded thing. Anyway, <laughs> I was in love. And I still am to this day. Anytime I see Parker Posey, I'm like, there she is. There she is. Yes, yes. Fell in love with her in that instant. You like the, you like the mean girls. I mean, with a face like that? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And it, it's interesting, you know, you're talking about just just the the I don't want to say glee, but maybe glee of her like this is her shot. This is what she's gonna oh, do. Yeah. And she is going to just beat these women, these girls into the ground. And you know, you had oh, you know, you don't have to do this or whatever. Oh no. No, 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 no. Either you're in or you're out, and yes, I am gonna torture you. No, but you talk about an ensemble cast. How do you stand out? I'd be like, how do you stand out with Joey Lauren Adams is in every scene with you? How do you do that? She is selling out as an actress. Like, get up, you little sluts, you little dirty slut girls. Get up, you <laughs> slut. You know, just screaming at them. Ah, ah, you know, and everyone else is just kind of strutting around looking hot, you know. And and I'm like, I yeah. that, see, that's a standout performance. That She made it special. I love yeah. you, Parker. Yeah, she... she 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 made a great mean girl for sure. <laughs> so I think the next song is Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. And I have to admit, I don't remember hearing this. Was this one of those subliminal songs where it's kind of in the background? I, you know, I, I could have blocked it out because I freaking hate Ted Nugent. So maybe that's oh, it. Yeah. But I don't remember <laughs> it, hearing that, that song in the movie. Yeah, and I, I could see how I could see how you would not like Ted Nugent, perhaps for his views. And then you listen to that song, and you're like, "Wow, that's a whole other level there, right?" Hmm. I, okay, you know, yeah. I know when I grew up with Ted Nugent, my brother, I can still see the album cover in his room. So yeah, I mean, I respect the guy as a a great musician. But I can't stand him. <laughs> right. Well, You're just going to have to work with point, me on this. I, I, it's your show, and we will say <laughs> we will respect all of your wishes here. But I will say, I don't think I think it was just the music. I don't think that mm. it really is, mm-hmm. and it, it's distinctive. That's definitely a distinctive song. But if you didn't know it, right, you, you it would just kind of pass you by. Yeah. And the riff is good, distinctive in the in the movie because everyone knows it. Okay. I, I, I don't remember hearing it. I don't know what, what, where, it may have been on, like, on the radio or something the scene like that. Where they're at Pickford's house. They're at Pickford's house. They're sitting in his, in his, um, bedroom getting high and the beer truck guy oh, shows up. Okay. But I want to say that in that scene and the scene before Pickford's father 
His leisure suit is on point. It is fantastic. And I love the thing yeah, too when they show so up good. and they're getting ready. They're putting the stuff in the car and they're like, Oh, you guys are you guys are going away? Oh, is he going with you? Oh no, he's staying. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Oh, have fun. Like, oh, we I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have fun. Yeah, and then yeah. <laughs> got the wrong house. Too bad right, the keg man? showed up early. It's just too bad. <laughs> I know. So the next song I think is Free Ride. I, I love that song. Yeah. And I remember listening to that as a kid over and over. Edgar Winter Group. This is Senior's parents find out about the keg party. Um, the, the kids are getting ready and heading for the party that's been canceled or they're going to the arcade. So I mean, another perfect use of a song. The mountain is high, the valley is low, and you're confused on which way to go. So I've come here to give you a hand and lead you into the promised land. Come on and take a promised free land. Ride. Love it. Yeah, man. And and the part where the kids are the Mitch, Mitch, Mitchy, and the other kids are playing uh, baseball, and they know, they know as soon mm-hmm. as this game is over, they are just gonna be dead men. It's just like, oh please. And then you know what's his name? Uh, Carl comes over and says, "Hey, can you leave out of the East Gate? Shut up, man. You know, <laughs> don't, don't make it any worse than it's gonna be." And they're just standing there with the paddles, just you know, come on, mm-hmm. play the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Carl is a very unlikable character as far as I'm concerned because he, he really he's is. always trying to get away with something. He's isn't he, you know, and he's trying to Mitch, you know, you you go get hit. I'm gonna get out of it somehow because I'm a little weasel. Um love when his mom pulled a shotgun on Ben Affleck. <laughs> oh, but that's, that's his awesome. mom, that's not him. That's yeah. not him, you know. So uh yeah, he's a little weasel. He has a rock and roll con- movie connection, you know. He played Phil Collin in uh Hysteria, the Deaf Leopard story, the VH1 what? made for TV atro- atrocity. Esteban Powell, anything I've ever seen him in the side. I didn't know that. When did that come out? Early 2000s, I think. Mm, okay. That's probably. Did right. he do? Yeah. Did he do anything else after that? Might have to check the old IMDb page for that. Okay. And then we've already talked about No More Mr. Nice Guy, Alice Cooper, that scene where the, the game is over and Ben Affleck and the other guys are waiting for Mitch. They're going to they're gonna catch them and spank them. So, and, Well, and here's, here's a, an example for me of how I've, I'd heard the song before it, but it imprinted on me with this movie because every time it comes on the radio, that riff, all I see is the, the scene where he's got the pole, the paddle, and he just spins it in the air. And catches it, and you know he's just gonna beat the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. I just that just it triggers every single time. Like that's the scene where they just be, and it's in slow motion too. Mm-hmm. So next up, low rider, war, and they're just riding around. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just it's, right. they're all listening. I love it that they're all listening to the same song. It's like this is what remember back in the day when you you. Everybody listened to the same radio station. And right. yes. it's not like that anymore. But you've got all these different scenes or focusing on different groups of characters in different places. And they're, they're all listening to Low Rider at that moment. And they're, they're all, all, this is, when they're playing that song, there's that great scene in the car when Tony says to Mike, so you're not going to law school? What do you want to do? And Mike says, I want to dance. And it just kind of crystallizes <laughs> the whole movie. Like, you know, who gives a shit about what happens after tonight? Everything is all about tonight and, and getting those Aerosmith tickets. And 
So there, there's your, well, there, there are your priorities right there. And the thing is too, like what I, what struck me, and I, I don't know if I'd thought about this before, but so you got the two groups of people, you've got the middle school kids who are going to be in high school and then mm. the high school kids who are going to be seniors. And for the seniors, it's like, this is it. They know this is the, this is the run to the end. High school is going to be over. And you know, it's, they're looking forward to it, but they're also like, Ooh, what's going to happen after that? You yeah. know, you have the whole McConaughey thing where it's like, yeah, I could go to back to school, but I'm working and, you know, he's still stuck in high school and, you know, Ben Affleck, who it's, it's funny. Cause I, you forget that he's in that. And then you see him as a, as a very young person. Cause that was before Goodwill hunting came out. The dude who mm. failed out twice right. and should be gone, but he's still there, you know, holding on. And then you got these kids who it's the same way. Like they're going to high school, but like, they're not little kids anymore. They're moving up in the world. So it's mm-hmm. kind of that calm before the storm. What's going to happen this next year. Yeah. And it, it's also when that song is playing, we get Matthew McConaughey. He enters, and I, I love that they're they're in the car with him. Mitch is in the car with him with Pink, and he says, "Say, man, you got a joint?" And Mitch says, "No." And he goes, "It'd be a lot cooler if you did." <laughs> He's got the best be lines in the movie, and the way he delivers it, it's hard to believe this was his first movie. And he was only supposed to have, what, three lines or something? And it just turned into this iconic part. Right. I know. And, of course, he grew up in Texas in the 70s and 80s, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. He, he grew up in Texas in the 70s and 80s he, with his chest out. You know, his dad was mm-hmm. a Green Bay Packer. You know, he's good looking and nice. Uh, he had a lot going for him, you know. And I think that kind of carried right into the movie. So he got that part. Didn't he meet the casting director in a, in a bar in Austin? They just, he just like that, happened yeah. to be, he was, and he was in film school to be a director. He wasn't even interested in acting. And then he winds up getting this part that just becomes so much bigger than what it was intended to be. And now here he is with an Academy Award and, and all of that. <laughs> yeah. Not as many as Affleck, but he's doing okay. I well, guess. yeah, yeah. I, they're both doing all right. <laughs> Hey, this is Mac B. the Wolf. And this is Action Jackson from the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. And you are listening to Rock is Lit with our rock and roll sister, Christy Alexander Hallberg. Pistol shots ring out in a barroom night. Into Betty Valentine from the upper hall. She sees a bartender in a pool of blood. Cries out, my God, they've killed them all. Here comes the star. All right, so up next is The Hurricane uh, by Bob Dylan. And, yes, yes. and I I have been a huge Bob Dylan fan ever since I can remember. So that was, I loved hearing that in the movie. And it's it's just the guy, like you were talking about, this entrance that they make into the Emporium with that song. It's a, just a powerful moment when they come in there kind of you know, walking like Reservoir Dogs or whatever. And it, it was it was a great song for that particular scene. And it reminds you too about how at that time in life there, or at that time in, in our history, like you didn't have, I mean, I guess you had a phone, but you know, if you had one phone for the house, like you needed to go yeah. to a place like that to see what to hang out, but also see what was going on. That it was kind of like the central hub and you knew that mm-hmm. was the hive. You know, you had some people playing pool, some people playing foosball, everybody's drinking and yeah, mm-hmm. the whole night is falling apart. It's a, a total <laughs> disaster. So now what are we going to do? How are we going to save this? Right. 
Oh, yeah, it's coming together. No, no. And the thing is, the track <laughs> itself is by definition a deep cut okay it's seven or eight minutes long it's mm-hmm. a political protest song it, it uses the n-word in it you know mm-hmm. you don't hear that on like noon drive time you know that that's a very deep cut and not a lot of people had heard that song and if you didn't live through it which we didn't because we were too young yeah we didn't know the story of reuben hurricane cutter right and, and I don't know, and you know, it's got a violin in it, right? It's crazy, and it just it happened at a time that's actually covered pretty well in. Uh, if I think I'm maybe on Netflix or something, you can see Bob Dylan, the Rolling Thunder Review, which basically mm-hmm. takes a trip back to this tour that he did with a lot of characters um, right around the release of this album. It's like, hey, there's a motivated Dylan who wants to get out with some talented people and make some noise and do a tour, but not do a huge tour. I don't know. It, it, I totally recommend that. Obviously, I knew some of Bob Dylan's hits, especially the ones that had been covered by other artists. But this one just kind of showed me what I didn't know about Bob Dylan in a bunch of ways. And I'm like, wow, if there's right. one of those, then I need to get to know this guy a lot better. So you said you got the Desire album so you could hear that song? Absolutely. Because it's, yeah, absolutely. I went out and bought it because it's the only place I could find it. Yeah. That's a great album. There's some good stuff on that. I don't remember when that came out. It was. What? 76. 70s? Yeah, yeah. That's a great album. Well, of course it was the 70s. But, all right, the next song is I Just Want to Make Love to You by Fog Hat. And that, we've just got guys getting high in the car. We've just got cruising, <laughs> telling the girls in the car. There's a beer blast coming later and just kind of cruising. Yeah, and, and the we used to use this all the time when it first came out. The check you later, check you later. Like, why are you always saying that? It's so stupid. But they think that's like the cool. That's all. That's a. Hey, that's my deal. And they're like, God, you sound like such a dope when you say that. <laughs> right. Uh, I just remember. I think Paul Rogers did a killer version of this when he was in Bad Company, or maybe Free, but I think it was Bad Company. And at first, huh. I thought that was him. Um, doing that, but no, Foghat does it some yeah. serious justice. I think the Stones did it back in the day. I think they did mm-hmm. it on a Dean Martin show mm-hmm. once. Um, but uh, but yeah, but I, I think Foghat rocked that. You know, they did a great version, yeah. of it, perfect for the soundtrack. I love the next song and the way it's used. Love hurts. You come on Nazareth. You got these poor little. Junior high kids at their last Bullseye. dance. Yeah, and they're they're doing you remember the slow dance you did when you were in junior high where the you know the girls got her hands on your shoulders and your kind of arms length apart and yeah, it's just kind of this sad little going through the motions of, of teenage love and they're at that crossroads, these kids heading into high school. Let's get the hell out of here and, and go have some fun. So and that's the song that's playing. Well, you're kind of you're kind of full of it too because I mean, obviously Hirschfeld was he was he was uh, miles ahead of everybody else. He oh, he's fun. making wanna, out. Yeah, he's he's making yeah, we out. We don't want to be at this stupid dance. Oh no, right. if we leave, we can't come back. What are we gonna do? If they if you, they had had a spark of interest, they would have been there still today. So don't give me this crap. But it's like that yeah. awkward, <laughs> like you don't really know what to do. There's oh, we gotta get out of here because I don't danger i can't i can't do this anymore and then yeah the, uh you know the one guy that does get pulled out and he's like oh man i was gonna get there you don't even know where there is but that's fine. <laughs> right. 
Oh. But still, making out was fun back then, man. And that was like serious uh, stuff going on, serious emotions. And if, making out if, was a big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. If that was available to you. But if it wasn't, then this place sucks and this is stupid. Who wants to be here? This is lame. Let's go do something fun. Bingo. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Whatever one of the joys of this guy. movie is everybody knows somebody from high school <laughs> who was one of these characters or you Just were like one that. of these characters. Okay, so and y'all yeah, so correct who, me. That's a good question. Who who were you? Oh who shit! Were you? Who were you? Which <laughs> character in this picture that. do you relate to? Because it's obvious for me. Hmm. I'm Randall Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think I was as smart as the redhead. What was her name? I've forgotten her name. Marissa Rabisi. Yeah. I I was Giovanni's I was more sister. yeah I was more like contemplating the universe and I was I kind of had a dark side in high school I Uh-oh. was I, I had my my torn jeans with Led Zeppelin written all over it and all the other stones and what have you and I I was cool I, I was a bit dark I think in high school so I won't say I was like her. But I was the one thinking, let's have the deep conversation. And I, I probably didn't even know what the hell I was talking about, but I wanted to have it. Yeah, that's, but that was the deep conversation she had later at the Moon Tower about how mm-hmm. the 50s mm-hmm. sucked, the 60s rocked, the 70s. Well, they obviously sucked, whereas a guy in the 90s is like, God damn, I wish I was in the 70s with you right now. But <laughs> yeah. you know, then she's like, the 80s might be radical, you know? Um, so I hope How little she knew, how little that character knew. About the eighties. Okay, so the next song is "Paranoid." Oh yeah, 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 now, Jackson. Who are well, you? Well, now see that's trying, you're trying to get out of this. Hey, boy, this is your show. I'm not going to jump in and <laughs> steer the ship away. No, it's, jump in. And I was, I was, yeah. So I don't know if I can say one person. I mean, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I was kind of nerdy in high school. Uh, way to break character there. So I definitely had some of that, like that awkward nerdy phase. But then, mm. man, I'll tell you, there was there was a lot of Don in me too. Like, that, that, okay. I love that. I love that line where she's like, "You're such an asshole," and he's like, "Yes, I am." Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you just feel like that. Yep, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna <laughs> yep. see this thing that's that's itching you right here. I'm gonna poke at it because that's just me, and I'm a jerk when I want it. <laughs> Especially in high school, when you're like, I don't even care. Like, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be a jerk for being a jerk's sake. See, I can't see that. That you must have done a lot of changing because I don't see that. I've calmed down a lot. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was not a big partier in high school, so I, yeah, I, I, I was. Oh. I would have gone to the party, but I would have been the one kind of in the back, watching, and taking it in, and wanting to i would have been the one talking about how yeah in the 50s man and blah 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 blah. i would not have been slater talking about how george washington was into grass there there well because in the aliens oh george there was an alien man (laughs) i get ahead of myself yeah some weird stuff going on a dollar bill man you know you ever looked at a dollar bill and it's green too man martha washington she was a hip she was. Hip lady. Yeah. All right. Hip, hip lady. Paranoid. Yeah. Black Sabbath. If we're going in order, that's, that's, the, and y'all, and correct me if I'm wrong. If, if I've missed that's, something. 
Okay, so no, I mean you've got it. You've got it so far. This is good. So yeah, right. this is um, this is another ass beating scene. Yes, this is the Ben Affleck more <laughs> more being a dick, catching yeah. the kid and saying squeal like a pig. Have the deliverance <laughs> moment <laughs> That's there. That's right. Yeah. So that that's the scene that inspires them to get revenge on him. Well, I mean, it's like the icing on it the is. cake of what he's been doing. And it, it's funny too because, like, at the beginning, it looks like he, like he, Affleck is friends with all those guys, yeah. like the football players. But I don't think really anybody liked him. Like he, like, kind of tolerated him because he he was around, and I right. think he was somehow involved in football. But yeah, push mm-hmm. comes to shove. Like when he walks off, you know, it, it gets into his car and drives off in disgust. No mm-hmm. one's really that sad. Oh, hey, come on yeah. back, buddy. No. He does it very well. Interesting side note on this song. This song is the reason I no longer possess the Dazed and Confused original soundtrack anymore. Because you remember Derek, who we went to the uh, Metallica show down in South Florida? His dad took us on a cigarette boat, Jackson. Yes, I do. Well, do you still have your Derek copy? came to my room. Yes, or well, it, who knows where it is now? But he came to my room at like three in the morning, knocking on the door. Dun, dun, dun. Mac B, hey, do you have Paranoid by Black Sabbath? And I'm like, what? You know, because he's like loaded, and he really wants to hear this song in a major way. So I'm like, okay, I've got it on this cheesy Black Sabbath best of, which I should have given him. It was one of those BS CBS special products. It's probably like five bucks. Oh, nice or I could give him Days yeah. and Confused, and I. Yeah, and I, I gave him the days and confused, like, well, I'll probably get that from him in two days or so. Yeah, that's, that's gone to drunken revelry. So <laughs> I still have number two, which I think is harder to get. But uh, but yeah, number one is long okay, gone. Okay, we need to do a, a search for him on social media and find him and make him give you your, your CD back. That ain't right. <laughs> All right, the next song, Never Been Any Reason, Head East. So they're just hanging out, waiting to find out if there's going to be a beer blast. So more hanging out, waiting, waiting for the beer right. blast. So. Trying to flip bottle caps and look cool. Oh, J- Jackson educated me back in college that this, that this was at East. All right. Like, you, you know, everybody knows, you know, all these like one off, you know, one yeah. hit wonders of the seventies or whatever. Like you might know, you know, the runaways, you might yeah. know whoever. I said, well, who even knows who this is? Like, this is head East. I'm like, Wow, Jackson, you can be my friend. <laughs> so I knew the song, but I didn't know. It. I had to, to look up the band, and I don't remember the band. So I'm, I'm with you. I know the song, don't know the band. Fox on the Run by Sweet. And that's another one, like the Ted Nugent stuff. I don't remember. I don't remember where this is in the movie. Do you remember? They're back at the, so I made notes on this. So they are, this is where they're outside of the pool hall. They're kind okay. of just standing around. And again, this this was the uh, this was a scene where I understand that that uh, what was the gentleman's name Wiley Wiggins, who plays Mitch. Mm-hmm. He uh, this is like kind of his big scene where he has a lot of dialogue. He touches his face about fifteen times, like that's his acting deal. Like I can't believe it. Oh, oh uh-huh. and I think I saw an interview with him where he's watching it like now, and he's just like, "What? Don't touch your face again. Don't do it. Oh, <laughs> why are you doing that?" But I mean, I think this is like the first thing he ever acted in. But yeah, they're, they're this scene they're just hanging out. And again, okay. they're trying to get stuff together. I was just going to ask, was this his first film? But apparently it was. I think so. 
Okay, the next one is Tesh, ZZ Top. So for me, this is like a huge testosterone fueled scene and song. Mm-hmm. You've got the guys in the car and they're what they're destroying mailboxes and knocking over trash cans and then Mitch takes a bowling ball. They they get him, the guys in the car get him to take the bowling ball. So throw the bowling ball. And he does and he knocks out the back windshield of some car. So it's just this crazy, very hyper masculine kind of scene. And that's the perfect song for that. Yeah, you're you're combining two favorite things. Yes. Littering with the trash cans and then destroying the mailboxes. And then, yeah, like you said, the bowling ball at the end, which somehow was in the back of Pickford's car. Nobody ever explained that. Yeah. But that's fine. But yes, you know, they, it could only be done in a car full of guys. Up next, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, Rick Derringer. This is just more at the arcade. Yeah, this is more driving around. But it's when they win the uh, the money for the first kegs, right? They're, they're shooting pool and they win the, oh, they yeah, win the yeah, bet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get the first money for the keg. And then they're like, hey, you guys go okay. get first. I'll go collect for the rest. Like, that was that was it, yeah. And then, Lord, Lord have mercy on my soul. Black Oak, Arkansas. What was going on during that? Yeah. I, I remember that one. There are three that I just don't remember. And that's that's the third one. So, the next one, Slow Ride. a couple times two or three times in the movie slow ride yeah so they're back at the emporium and they're hatching a plan to get ben affleck back yeah and that's yeah, Mitch bought well, the beer. And it's, yeah and it's funny right. too because oh he yeah, comes, yeah he comes out of the thing after you know giving him the whole yeah you know just working for the town and he sees his friends coming around the corner and then you see that like they're still they're still in high in middle school and he's you know oh you're hanging out at the deal what's in there and he's just like sick sir like, no big deal. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I do this all the time. Yeah, correct. Correct. And I love the sign on the on the uh, Easy Mart there. Cigarettes were 60 cents a pack. Oh, God. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, no. In the previous scene, when they were busting the mailboxes, gas was 58 cents. <laughs> Just wow. So let, let that sink Enough in. said. <laughs> but no, the scene where Mitch is buying the beer is fantastic. He, for some, some kid who's never done this before, he's... He's a natural at it. And the dude behind the, the counter, you know, he knows he's not 18, but he's just, you're yeah. 18, right? And yeah, no, he didn't give a shit. But he did give a shit about the pregnant mother, though. He, he, mm-hmm. he's like, he, mm-hmm. While she was smoking and buying a bottle of booze, he's like, eat a green thing. It's very important to eat a green thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I love when, when he's standing there and he just gives him the McConaughey story. Like he just pretty much word for word what he said. Oh, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, 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 it disappointed me because there was a there was when he go when they get to the pool hall to begin with. The girl that the sophomore girl, I don't remember her name. She asked she asked Mitch how he's doing. And I wish he would have said nothing a couple beers can't handle or something oh, wow. like that because that's what they told him 
in the car on the way over there. Like, don't, I don't worry about it. But yeah, just the fact that he's just parroting what he just heard to get through this yeah. situation. I loved it. Yeah. So we have Show Me the Way, Peter Frampton after that. So Wooderson is spreading the word about the party. Just kind of more transition stuff going on. Uh, that was on Frampton Live. Right. That's that's the ones that they that were big yeah, yeah, hits, yeah. which is interesting because the, the, the yeah. singles didn't really hit the charts. But once Frampton Comes Alive came out, and it was those three, really. Do You Feel Like We Do, which is also in the movie. Mm-hmm. Show Me the Way. And uh, what's the other one? Ooh, baby, I Love Your Way. Baby, I Love Your Way. Yeah. Baby, I Love Your Way. Correct. Mm-hmm. See, Christy is our yeah, sister, well, man. She knows the stuff we need to know. <laughs> Which, Baby, I Love Your Way was in, um, uh, what's the name of that movie with Winona Ryder? Um, Reality Bites. But she's in the okay. in the car with Ben um, Stiller. And they're making out. Lisa Bonet sang it. What? In High, in high Fidelity. Okay. All righty. <laughs> another great rock and roll movie yeah nick hornsby he is he is yeah, british yeah. i wish they had like ewan mcgregor back in the day or maybe like a james mcavoy mm. do it now um mm-hmm. i love john cusack you know i grew up in the 80s he graduated from high school in every movie he made for about 10 years there and i <laughs> I, I related to all of them um but i i think it would have been served better if it was made over here but that's you know that's a but in this scene, uh, this is where uh, they roll up to the top notch. McConaughey rolls up to the top notch, and you've got Mike, Tony, and Cynthia in the car, and you just hear him, all right, all right, all right, is, you know, and L-I-V-I-N are his big ones, but that, I love redheads. Uh, the-, <laughs> <laughs> the next one, rock and roll all night, kiss, come on. You drive us wild, we'll drive you crazy. How can you, you can't have a party with drinking and, well, they didn't drink. You can't have a, a party. Well, some of them drank. Some of them drank quite uh, a bit. Right. Of the KISS But not not Gene, not Gene and Paul. The other, yeah, the other guys, that yes. That is correct. The other guys, yes. Well, yeah, it's because they would only license Gene and Paul's likeness for the movie. Those are the only likenesses you could get, right? They're not going to license the other guys in 1993. So that's an easy call. Yeah. By the way... Just want to let you know in the in one of the first scenes. Remember when the the eighth graders are still in school and the, the guy's like out in the hallway with his brothers. He's like, "Hey man, let's go! I got my keys. You know, let's get out of here." He was wearing a rock and roll over t shirt. Okay, rock and okay. roll over did Correct. not come out till November of nineteen seventy six. Okay, November Good of nineteen seventy six. So there's no way on May twenty eighth in nineteen seventy six he was wearing a rock and roll over t shirt. What if he got an advanced copy? He didn't get an advanced copy in Nowheresville, Texas. <laughs> hmm. But they catch. did they did tease this because they had uh they, they showed you the Paul and Gene uh, mm-hmm. uh I guess likenesses in the back of the car a couple of scenes before that. Yeah. But yeah, at this point in time, yes, you could not have this movie about a giant party with without rock Mm-mm. and roll all night. No. Okay. 
The next song is Balinese, ZZ Top, and it's just the party in the woods. The, the moon tower scene, I think they captured extremely well with the music as far as when you're, when you're riding up there and you're listening to rock and roll all night. Uh, and, and although this one is more of a background one, you know, it's still point on point, but there's going to be a few others coming up here that I think encapsulate exactly what was going on so well and provide the emotional background uh, for which Linklater and then obviously the actors uh, can kind of do their thing. So we've got another Frampton song coming up. Do you feel like okay. I do? Okay. Again, off of Frampton Comes Alive. Yes. Sabrina is flirting with Tony. Do you feel like yes. I do? Wink, wink, wink. Uh-huh. Wink. Yes. It's interesting how the, you know, the, the different guys, it's, they have the different dynamic of people in the, in the, the class. You know, mm-hmm. you have like, you know, you kind of have the, when they walk in and there's, what's his name, Clint, like, you know, the alpha male guy who's just looking to fight. Right. And then you've got the kind of, everybody's, the other people that are just looking to get stoned. And then you've got, you know, kind of Tony who's, he wants to be cool, but then he's kind of, you know, they want to talk about neo-McCarthyism and stuff like that too. So. Yeah, to the he's got this connection with this girl who he met before just by chance. It's interesting to see that little dynamic develop. Okay, so next song, Right Place, Wrong Time, Dr. John. So we've got Mitch walking, I love this, walking around, he's drunk, walking around drunk at the party, <laughs> and uh, right place, wrong time. I mean, do you even know where you are right now? And then there's Pink in the truck, talking with Benny about the pledge he doesn't want to sign and whether or not he's even going to play football. So another, another example of a great song and a great scene. Right. And, and what I love too is, is the walking that around perfect, the walking around when you're just, you know, you're, you can still function, but you're, mm-hmm. you've had a, had a little bit to drink and just kind of like, yeah, just looking around like, who's here, man. Who's this person? Mm-hmm. Who's this? just kind of getting the vibe. And then I always kind of, I always felt bad for, for Benny in this one because he's really trying to do the right thing, but Pink doesn't want to hear it at all. Yeah. No, no, it's it's perfect for Mitch when you're when you're exactly right, Jackson. When you're walking around, you got a little buzz on, and the way Doctor John sings it, like, I would do the right play, but I'm gonna be the wrong time, you know. And oh, it's kind of got a little buzz on it, but you can kind of tell, you know. And he's he's kind of drift around. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, here, drink some more. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I did see Doctor John perform this song when he opened for the Stones at the Aragon Ballroom. Oh in wow, 2000, nice. Two thousand four. And Bono came out that night, you know, to sing It's Only Rock and Roll with Mick. But oh, like wow. having a little bit of that kind of Louisiana soul piano uh, and have him do his thing on there. I'm like, man, this guy's not that good. And then he did that song. I'm like, all right, I know what that is. <laughs> pretty cool. No, it's, it's the perfect song for that scene. And so is this next song. Can't stay at home. Cherry Bomb by the Runaways. And when that song comes on, then the camera focuses on the senior girls dancing 
And I can't remember which one, which, which character it is, but one of them just kind of does a face plant on the ground. <laughs> she's just so wasted. So that, that's a, that's a great song. And I think this was one that I had never heard this song before. Oh, I'd never heard this one before. So to kind of do it like, you know, who is this? Like, oh, it's the Runaways. I've never heard of the Runaways. It's Joan Joan Jett Jett. and Lita Ford Mm -hmm. from back in the day. Oh, these, yeah, this is badass back then. So I'm glad they included, they included some kind of deeper, deeper tracks and deeper cuts from art, a deeper cut artists also. Right. Yeah. That's my girl. And then the next one, my girl Parker just flailing around. You saw her bonging beers (laughs) earlier. You know, I was like, okay, she's not there to like drink and be social. She's there to get messed up because you see her bonging the beer. There she is, like spazzing out. Joy Lauren Adams or Simone comes through. She trips and that cracks Parker up. And then she falls on the floor and starts pushing her over. And she's still just a mean, (laughs) but having a blast, right? Laughing her ass off. Big smile on that face. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I still love her. That's your girl. <laughs> but then, but then she's she's kind of staggering around like she doesn't really, you know, she's kind of get to get her bearings, and then she sees the freshman girl, and bamo, she's back. She knows exactly what to do. Air raid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it's like you know, if you don't do this right now, I'm gonna make the rest. I'm gonna make next year a living hell. And then it's it, you're thinking. Is she gonna remember this? No. I hope not, because no. if she does, she's she is, means every word of what she says. Yeah, that 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 was a good time for Sabrina to not obey that order because what are the odds she's gonna remember this in right. the morning? Yeah. Right. Plus she's got Tony <laughs> to defend her. Yeah. Don't do it, Sabrina. Right. Yeah, because he can stand up to her. I don't think so. He would run <laughs> screaming away. Yeah, he's not much of a match for Parker Posey. <laughs> So the next song, the Alien song, this is a this is when Mila Jovovich is playing the guitar, and this is actually a song by her, and we we don't get much of it, but it it just kind of inspires this amazing conversation. Slater starts going <laughs> off on the aliens, man, and George Washington, man, and the dollar bill and Martha Washington. That whole scene is just fabulous. It's like quintessential high school stoner history that he comes <laughs> up with. And I, I think that that song that she sings, that's the only speaking part she has in the whole movie. I don't think she has any other oh, lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, okay. And guys, look, if you watch the credits, like, she's third build. Like, you know, it was Jason London and, the, you know, her boyfriend or something like that. And then she was third because at the time she probably was the bigger name because she was mm. a bottle and she had been in other, a, a mm-hmm. couple other things. And mm. Everybody else was mm-hmm. un, completely unknown, you know? So they kind of put her third. I'm like, you put her third, you know, what did she say? When her, his dad said, are you having a party here tonight? She goes, no. And that's it. You know, like that's, that's her line other than her, you know, she, she doesn't <laughs> right. say anything. None of the movie <laughs> right. is about her. She's just on Slater's arm all night you know i mean but third on the bill yeah that, but that that song opened up that great dialogue or really a monologue what'd he say george washington man he was in a cult and the cult was into aliens man george tote weed man. absolutely george tote weed are you kidding me man he grew fields of that stuff yeah. man that's what i'm talking about fields he grew that shit up mount vernon man mount vernon man he grew it all over the country but you know what behind every good man there's a woman 
And that woman was Martha Washington, man. And every day George would come home, she'd have a big, fat bowl waiting for him, man, when he'd come in the door, man. She was a hip, a hip, hip lady, man. Somebody should count how many times the word man was used in this movie. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so then we move into, it's, it's the end of the party, and we're, we're getting into the end of the night. And there's a shift in tone. And we hear Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner. And, and it's, it, it really, it, yeah, it matches that, that shift that's taking place. And this is, the other, this is the other big one for me because now every time I hear that song on the radio, all I think about, all I see is the hand pumping and there's just nothing left. And they just, just throw the thing. Yeah, you know, that's it. Right. Party's over. There's nothing else. We've, we've beat this into the ground. We got to go home yeah. now. And yeah, just that sad, like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, but let's go smoke a joint at the 50-yard line at the football field. Well, I mean, yeah, you've got right. to come up with other ideas. <laughs> but see, I think this is the perfect bookend to it, mm-hmm. right? Right? I mean, you're, you're warming up, getting there, listening to Kiss and stuff like that. In the middle, there's some good ones, including when he was loaded, I would do the right play. <laughs> right. And then, you know, and then you end with... Here's Tuesday's gone. You know, it's over. It's the, the night's over. Let's wind yeah. it up here. Let's and let's and look. I lived in Jacksonville off and on for ten years. So, uh, you, you every fifth song on classic rock radio is of course Skinner, Jacksonville. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're in Florida, I would imagine so. But it, it also you get this feeling that there because there's a, in that scene, everybody's saying goodbye to everybody. You know, see you later. But there, there's a feeling of. Tomorrow is not going to be the same. School's out. And what's to come, there's just there's that incredible feeling of a shift that that song underscores so well. And then they are on the on the 50-yard line. And then there's that. And I think the crux of the film really happens at that 50-yard line, the conversations that go on. And Don Dawson is saying he wants to look back on these years as, I did the best I could. I... I played as hard as I could when I was stuck in this place and all that kind of thing. And what was it? Pink saying, if these are something, this is not a quote, if these are the best years of my life, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Something like that. And there, yeah. Yeah. There's that whole conversation that takes place. Yeah. There is interesting. Remind me to kill mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause he's, he's not just the quarterback, right? I mean, he's not just the, I'll go to school and I'll marry mm-hmm. my high school girlfriend. We'll go to college and as a quarterback, and then I'll come home and sell insurance, you know, whatever kind of thing. It, well, the other guys are like, yeah, let me do my best. But he's, he's also with the yeah. nerds, right? The, the, the thinking kids, right? He, he's a good writer. You know, he's thinking I shouldn't sign this pledge. Whereas, you know, I had to sign those pledges. I will not do drugs or smoke you know, whatever, anything during the season. We all did. did. Absolutely we did. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. Yeah. And then I did whatever the hell I wanted to anyway, you know, uh, because, you know, the the star player was my buddy. That's what the guys are telling him. Just sign it and do what you want. (laughs) But he, you get this sense that he doesn't want football to define him and he doesn't want authority telling him what to do, even though he'll be able to look the other way. There's just that, that feeling of I, I'm not I'm not gonna you know fuck the man I'm not gonna do this. Wow. Right. But you know I'm I I you you know you said you might be like Marissa Brissi or whatever but I'm not like Randall Pink Floyd I was not the quarterback of the football team I was not trading you know Jody for Simone 
at, at a party at the moon tower at any time in my life that wasn't who I was but the whole yes I'm an athlete yeah. and I also want to yeah. think and I also want to be in the school musical and I also want to have a few beers with my buddies you know maybe even smoke a joint every once in a while you don't need to be telling me what to do outside of you know run this sprint right. you know do this drill run this play you can do that all day but once mm-hmm. we're off campus and that's you his don't tell me what to do and, and I love that he has that conversation with with Wooderson who talks about rules and as you get older it's just going to get worse and worse and and he says um let me tell you this, the older you do get, the more rules they're going to try to get you to follow. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. I love this man. I love this character. I love this movie. It's just perfect. He's just, I can't believe that was his first role. He's just perfect. People who don't like Matthew McConaughey are nitpickers. Uh, uh, yeah, they're jackasses. Yeah. If you want to pick it, Matthew McConaughey's not a great actor. He's not whatever. Whatever, man. You know, all right, all right, all right. That's all I got to say to the haters. Do you know where he got that? Do you know where he got that all right, all right, all right? He was listening to The Doors. There was a live album. And at one point, Jim Morrison goes, all right, all right, all right, all right. He does it four times. And Matthew McConaughey was was in the car about to shoot the scene scared shitless because he's he's never done this before it's his first role his first scene the first words even though it it doesn't appear first in the movie for him but it's his first scene ever and he's sitting in the car going who is this guy who is this guy that I'm playing and that came to mind and he thought okay what is the character about cars mm-hmm. his car music partying with my friends and the ladies. And he he's looked around and he said, okay, well, I got the car. I'm partying with my friends in the car. I'm listening to some cool tunes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Three of the four. And it just came out. It wasn't scripted. It's brilliant. It just works. I mean, oh, bless his heart when he dies. That's going to be on his tombstone. Well, and you don't even have to. You don't even have to be talking about him or or any movie. You just say that, and you know exactly who that's. Yeah. Who that's uh, coined by? And I don't know for sure, but I'm gonna guess uh, that that was live at the Hollywood Bowl by the Doors. But I could be wrong about that. I'm not saying that because I've heard them do that. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I believe when he accepted his Academy Award. That was the first thing that he said when he got up. Oh, really? right. Last thing. Of course, I was thing. waiting for that. Oh, was it the last, it thing? last okay. thing? Yeah. I was I was watching that, yeah. but I don't remember that. So that that's that would be perfect. Of course, he would say that. That gave him his whole start. So you can either right. be annoyed that that stuck with you, or you can respect it, appreciate it, and embrace it. It sounds like he yeah. has. Okay, so the last well, not the last song. The next to the last song, I think is Summer Breeze, so we're getting into the dawn, and what, you know, I love this song. What a, what a, just a a light, soft, kind of poppy song, well, not really poppy, but just a a light rock song, Love Seals and Crofts, Dawn's Breaking, Mitch is Making Out on a Blanket. It's Yacht Rock. Okay. And you think to yourself, I wonder what happened to Mitch. Yeah, yeah oh, there he is. Mitch, now we catch up to him on a blanket, spread out, way to go. Because they did tell him, hey, just tell him we need a ride because we left you. It'll work. 
talking. <laughs> they did. I know. I need somebody to tell me all these tricks, man. I had to figure them all out on my own. Like, why are you giving it to this eighth grade kid just because you paddled him a couple yeah. times? I, I needed an older brother, man. Jeez. We both got chipped out he of that Mitch looked out. Right. That is correct. So, yes, he did. He did end up with the uh, older woman who gave him a ride home. Yeah, you really can't beat that. Not only, not only was she interested in you, she actually drove you home. That's fantastic. <laughs> right. And his mom was cool. Well. I mean, she drove him home deal. and he came in. She gave him a pass. Right. But yeah, you have to say, and, and, and the sister does bring this up about how this is total crap. So when she finds out about all this, she is going to go ballistic because apparently mom and dad were a little bit uh, more restrictive with her. And now they've learned their lesson to give him a little bit of leeway. That- that's the way it is with the older kid and the younger kid. I'm the, I'm the youngest of four. By the time I came along, they were like, screw it. Whatever. Yeah, I'm the Just oldest of five. Yeah. You don't even have to come home right. this weekend. Just I'm the oldest of five. Sunday and dinner. my youngest brother was like, just don't get arrested. And that's it. And it was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. So I, I love this this <laughs> quote. And I can't remember if it comes before Summer Breeze or after. Because on the football field, they get caught by the cops the guys on the football field get caught by the cops and the cops recognize the guys and call the football coach and the football coach is all up pinks behind are you gonna sign this and don't hang around with these losers and all that kind of thing and then pink delivers this great line i gotta go coach me and my loser (laughs) friends gotta go get aerosmith (laughs) tickets top priority of the summer i might play ball but i will never sign that so there you go. Yeah, and because he's the starting quarterback, he can totally get away with that. It's not like they're gonna say, "Well, we got a chance at a state championship, but we're gonna we're gonna sit our starting quarterback because he won't sign a piece of paper." No way, not even in yeah. Texas. Yeah, no way. Now I will have to point out the fact too that in that scene, Coach is driving a Bronco, and that car would probably be worth about eighty thousand dollars today in that condition. It's just, it's beautiful. It looks brand new. That's one of the that's one of the problems I have with this movie now rewatching it. The cars are all too nice. No high school kids have cars that look like that. Yes, the paint jobs were all way too deta- too nice. Right. Like, no way, dude. These Correct. are hand-me-down trucks. They're from the 50s and 60s. You can't tell me the paint. Right. They'd all be they'd all have dents in them and rusted up and things falling off because that's a high school kid's car. You're right. It's you know, granddad's truck that he gave you or something. You're like, oh, cool. Is that a 58? <laughs> this will be awesome. The only one, the only one I maybe give you a pass on is Pickford, because obviously, you know, they you they get to his house and mom and dad have the big Cadillac that they're they're loading up to go to the lake or whatever. Maybe him, but everybody else, nah, they would they would just be bombed out, mm-hmm. pieces of junk. Okay, y'all, we're at the end of the movie. Aww. So Mitch, I know Mitch goes home. Yeah. It's dawn. He goes into his room after having that interaction with his mother. And he puts on his headphones and he plays slow ride. And you, you get the feeling mm-hmm. that, oh, he's transitioning. This is, this is a pivotal moment for him, what he's gone through in this, in this day. And now he's moving into his high school years where he's going to be going through some of the things that the seniors who have been torturing him were going through. and. There's, there's that, 
like this is just beginning and but it's also playing on the car radio when Wooderson and Pink and Slater are heading off to get Aerosmith tickets. So it, it's it's just in Houston. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like that scene too because even though you know you've got the you got the party ending, you've got the you know the thing about the football coach, you got uh, Mitch going home. That scene about how like you know McConaughey says, "I got my third win. Come on, we got to go." You know, there's uh, yeah, that yeah, hopeful yeah. driving. Like you know what? It's going to be okay. We're going to go get Aerosmith tickets, and that's another whole thing too that makes me sad because now it's like, oh, I need Aerosmith tickets. Hold on, click, click, click. Got them. Okay, pull. Cool. I mean, no, you had to. You had to put some sweat had equity to go. into getting those tickets. Yeah. You had to go stand in line. Correct. That's right. You know, hey, Jackson and I camped out together for Rush tickets. Ask a kid today if they have to camp out to get tickets. What? What for? Yeah, it's all, yeah, the Ticketmaster just tells me what to do, and I just click it, and then it's on my phone. You don't even have tickets anymore. Everything's electronic. So you've got nothing invested. Well, I mean, the money. Right. You don't have, right, you don't have that sweat equity. Correct, correct. And to to be, I mean, if they were, okay, so you figure, they don't say they're in Austin, but they're in Austin. That's like Mm. a three and a half hour drive to get to somewhere mm, in Houston mm, to buy mm. those tickets. That's a big commitment. They really yeah. wanted to see Aerosmith. Yeah. So some fun facts about this movie. You know that scene with Wooderson, when he says that great line, that's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. Mm-hmm. And then there's a girl who walks past. Yes, they do. It's, it's, (laughs) hey, (laughs) it's Renee Zellweger who walks past. Oh, really? Okay. Because she's from Austin. Yeah. Although. That's right. To whoever's credit that is. And they made Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. McConaughey and Renee Zellweger did. Yeah. One thing about that scene, though, that I didn't remember, but then I remember this time, he says that, you know, I keep getting older. And one of, and one of them, like, I don't know who it is, it's like, man, you're going to get arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another fun fact, the casting director, Don Phillips, was also the casting director of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Nice. Another fun fact. Key, very important to know, yes. Yeah. Another fun fact, the director... It's called Days and Confused, but the director couldn't get the rights to the Zeppelin song, Days and Confused. So they, they still use the title because it, it sort of underscores the state of mind of the characters, which is just sort of aimlessness. But it, it really wasn't until Almost Famous before Zeppelin started granting the rights to be on soundtracks. Do you, okay, do you have any more info on that? Because that's interesting. If he had gotten the rights, where would he have put that in the movie? Cause that's real slow and heavy. I don't know. Like maybe when they were, maybe when they were smoking up in some that's a good scene, question. But yeah, it seems like most of the other songs are kind of like they're, they're light and, and they're kind of moving along. And that one is real yeah. slow and, and heavy. I don't know where that would have gone in the movie. I don't know. I don't know. This is an interesting fun fact. In October, 2004, three of the director's former classmates from Huntsville high school, whose surnames are Wooderson, Slater, and Floyd, filed a defamation lawsuit against Linkletter, claiming to be the basis for the characters on the film with similar names. So the suit was ultimately dismissed, but they, they did. There was that kind of dust up at that time. And that's ridiculous because they're even going to tell you, I mean, watch the end of the movie. They, they have that disclaimer of like, this doesn't have anything yeah. to do with living or dead. It's a coincidence. Right. Yeah. There's nothing about that. Give me a break. 
They wanted some money. Right. I'll tell you an interesting fun fact is that Richard Licklander eventually, more than 20 years later, did a movie called Everybody Wants Some, which was supposed to be kind of about 19, early 80s, 1980, like guys going to college and having that first freedom, you know, the first time. Almost like he was trying to recapture some of the old days and confused magic. And it had one of um, Caitlyn Jenner's sons. that she is the father. I don't know how that works. Anyway, and it's got Zoe Deutsch in it. It's got a uh, White Russell, who's who's Kurt Russell's son. And it's he, he tried to capture recapture some of that. The Emporium, if you take a quick a good look, is in it. It's not the same letters. It's not the same color and all that. But if you know Dazed and Confused and you watch, everybody wants some. When they show the building, which is the Emporium, we're like, I know what that is, dude. That's the Emporium. So he definitely went back to the okay. same spot to to, to okay. recapture a little bit of glory there. Nice. All right. Final thoughts about this movie, the soundtrack, your experience with it. Uh, again, I hadn't seen it for a while until until we suggested this. I love this movie. It's it's just really great. It's not really about anything and it doesn't have to yeah. be about anything. There's no like there's no twist at the end where it turns out mm-hmm. oh there's mm-hmm. an alien race. No, there's none of that. There really isn't I mean it, it's all about the, it's all about the characters that you get to know and you know you're saying well who are you in this movie? There's there's little you can pick little bits and pieces from, you know, several if not all of yes. them and it's just a really cool like even if it, it, there's a lot of things you can relate to in the movie. Right. And I'm really glad you mentioned everybody wants some, which is kind of, I mean, it wouldn't be a sequel, but I'm really glad they never made a sequel to this or anything like that. Just leave it alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think Jackson for you and me, I mean, because of the time that we saw this, when, you know, it had just come out, we're just a couple few years removed from high school. All this, this is 15 years before we graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so long ago that these things had happened to us in, in some kind of way. So it resonated, right? Like Breakfast Club really resonated for us. It didn't resonate for my dad because that wasn't his experience. You know, maybe The Big Chill, which had a great soundtrack of its own, resonated for him because when it came oh, out, yeah. that made sense of where he was in his life and his friends and that kind of thing. But for us, it's the breakfast club. So yeah, it'll yeah. always hold a special place in my heart mm-hmm. in that I saw it at that time. And and looking back now, you know, you're right. Yeah, no, I hadn't seen it much. It's not like I watched this very often, like we would every other week or so when we live together. Right. But uh, it's, it's a fantastic movie. The soundtrack is unbelievable. It captures an amazing time in American history that we can identify very strongly mm-hmm. with. Like our listeners, our UK listeners on our show, Jackson probably wouldn't identify with this very well at all. Cause it didn't have a lot of like, you know, prog rock. It didn't have a lot of Zeppelin or any of that kind of stuff or any of the pop music that was big over here. You know, that Def Leppard loved no Roxy music, none of that kind of stuff. This is mm-hmm. very American. Yeah, it, it is. Now for the now for the math portion of the show. So this movie came out in 1993 and was about 1976. That was 17 years. If you made wow. it today, it would be about 2005. Oh god, I feel it, old. But but if you made a movie about 2005, I mean, I, I maybe it would resonate with people, but I like I guess. Like to me it was there was so much like the seventies had its own, it was its own thing. And the eighties were its own thing. And then the nineties kind of but like the two thousands, like, 
I guess maybe there was just so much that you can identify with that period of time. Yeah. I don't think music means as much to kids as it did in the seventies, eighties, even nineties. Okay. So let's go back to the story about the CD. He wanted to listen to the song. He had to listen to the song at this second. I got to find that song right now. Who has a copy of it? Guess where it is right now? On my phone. Every song that's ever written Mm -hmm. is on my phone. There, there isn't, there isn't that connection to it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes me sad. It, it is a little sad. Right, yeah. They're, they're not going to go out and buy Desire. They're not going to go out and buy Desire by Bob Dylan and, and hear the other eight right. songs on the record. They're just going to hear that song on YouTube, on their phone, whatever. So, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then, oh, Taylor Swift's got to do it. Yeah, let me hear that. Right. You know, look at TikTok. It, it's not even like you listen to the radio and you wait to hear your favorite thing. You choose what you want to listen to and that's all you hear. Right. So there's so much that people are missing out on because of that. Which is great for me now. <laughs> well, yes. Right. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it sucks for young people, but it's great for me. I control my own destiny. Yes. It's very nice. Well, that's all, folks. Those are our our top five rock soundtracks. Thanks so much for coming on Rock is Lick, Mac and Jackson. This was a blast. I had a great time. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. Check out the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're done. This was great. We love you, Christy. Thank you so much. All right, all right, all right. Can you not hear me? I can see you. I can hear you. I can't see him or hear him. What? Oh. I can I can hear you, Mac. I can see you and hear you. Are you going to have fun editing this one? Take it easy. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Rock is Lit to hear from more great rock novelists and special guests who will offer commentary on the music or musical events featured in these novels. If you like what you hear, subscribe, follow, and spread the word. And check out the Rock is Lit vault on my website for news, bonus material, and outtakes from episodes. Until next time, keep rocking and reading and getting lit. Rock is Lit! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.